I'm Dr. Kimberly Manning. And this is Dr. Ashley McMullen. And you're listening to the Human Doctor Podcast, where we explore the human side of medicine, along with teaching, living, learning, and all things in between. Using the power of storytelling, conversation, and connectedness. Hey, we're two dope academic internal medicine doctors, but we ain't your doctors. So if you perceive anything we say here as medical advice, no, it ain't that. Also, the things we say, they only reflect our brilliant black woman magic mind and not our employers. You could have been anywhere, y'all, but you chose to be here with us and we appreciate you. Let's Let's go. This meeting is being recorded. Yep. (laughs) Tell the folks where you are. (laughs) I am in the DMV, the DC, Maryland, Virginia area specifically in Old Town Alexandria, in an exquisitely cute rental in Old Town Alexandria. It's fab. But I'm having to get a little bit creative with my uh, <laughs> IT setup here. <Yeah>. So, <laughs> so we're going to see how this works out. <laughs> yeah. I've, I've, got, I've got good feels for this one. Oh, good. I'm glad. I'm mm-hmm. glad somebody does. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, y'all, my IT support um, was in the form of my 18-year-old son. Well, I appreciate that. So for all the folks who are listening, the quality of this episode is brought to you by uh, Dr. (laughs) Manning's teenage son. That's right. And also, you know, um, diastole matters. And, you know, sometimes you'll notice that we'll have a bye week sometimes and it'll be because life is lifing or because we're traveling or whatever. But I'm particularly glad, uh, Ash, that you wanted us to record. Um, It's just a lot going on right now Mm -hmm. and things that I think, you know, we need to unpack. While, while we do, um, while we are glad to do this at this time, and I'm glad to do this on vacation, we also recognize that sometimes, you, you know, you need diastole and you need some time. No, I'm, I'm glad that you you started us off in that tone. It's been a heavy week just in terms of the legislation that's been passed. I'm always having to ask, what do I need right now in order to to be kind to myself when I'm feeling down, disappointed, despondent? Sometimes, well, most times it's a good conversation with Dr. Manning. Sometimes I just need to be by myself or just get away. Yeah, it's true. I mean, that isn't just on a day like right after the Supreme Court of the United States comes down with a new decision. It's sometimes life just lifes, you know, and Mm -hmm. what y'all know about us is that we're both Black American women. And as far as news that kind of disappoints you, (laughs) it's nothing new under the sun. Exactly. This is just another day in the life. I, I will say this, though. I, I'm going to just jump right in and say that um, I pride myself in being an optimist and also a critical thinker, right? When I was at the double AMC meeting, the Association of Academic Medical, Co- American Medical Colleges, AAMC, look it up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the people who tell you what you need to be doing for your med schools. How about that? <laughs> when I was at that national meeting, there was a session where it was a conversation with Cornell West, and he was having a conversation with another uh, leader. I I blank on who the person was he was talking to, but he was talking about how when things happen, being a critical thinker and asking yourself, you know, not just coming from the position of you're wrong, I'm right, but could I be wrong? And could you be right? Mm -hmm. And let me listen to what you're saying and think, could you be right about some parts? And could I be, you know, So as I have processed this legislation around no longer considering race in admissions into colleges and and academic institutions, 
I, I came at it from that perspective. I thought about it some. And then I thought about what it takes uh, for people to be able to gain access into these spaces that can change your life, right? Um, and, a, and a big piece of it isn't just your academic excellence. Another piece of it is social capital. And while I recognize that there are a growing number of people who come from historically excluded groups who do have some social capital, it in no way compares to the social capital that people have gained over the hundreds of years in this country that was basically built by disenfranchised people. Mm -hmm. And so while I recognize that there is a lot of poverty and a lot of pain in people who do not identify as Black or from an underrepresented group, a lot of times, a lot of those individuals are just one handshake away from immediate access into all the social capital that they need. Mm -hmm. I don't care how much money you got and how many degrees you got. If you are a Black person with a wide nose and some nappy hair and some brown skin and you ain't racially ambiguous, I don't care how many degrees you got. I don't care if you went to Exeter and then went from Exeter to Princeton and then went from Princeton to Harvard Medical School and then went from Harvard Medical School straight to wherever else you wanted to go, right? You still, when you show up, <laughs> you, you, you are not going to ha have access to the same kind of network that individuals are who don't look like you. Mm -hmm. it, and I have really thought about it. I, I understand, like, sure, I do believe in holistic review and how important it is for us to think about your distance traveled. Um, I do think about that a lot. You know, if you come from a whole bunch of resources and it's been a little easier for you, I might think about that some too. But there are a lot of people still out here losing and I, I just, I just wish people could see that. Mm -hmm. yeah. 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 I think that is the hard thing for people to see, you know, mm -hmm. for folks who don't come from, you know, historically underprivileged identities, that's someone who on the surface seems to have more economic advantage can still be looked at in a way that, you know, doesn't give them access to the same social capital as you mentioned. Yeah. And I just want to briefly comment on the legislation regarding religious right to refuse services to people who are LGBTQIA+. Mm -hmm. That's applying the same framework I feel pretty unambiguously about. That one hurt my mm -hmm. heart, I would say, quite a bit. Again, not that I'm like super surprised, but, you know, just again, sending that message that I don't agree with your existence, therefore I can refuse to write to serve you. Like that, that hurts. Right. Right. And, and, you know, it's like what you said last week, when I think about young high school, early college, you in this space of trying to reconcile love for yourself and God's love and whether or not those two things can exist at the same time. Mm -hmm. How incredibly sad is that? Right. How incredibly horribly sad is it to imagine somebody with all the potential that you haven't had in that time? being forced to say it's it's one or the other. Mm -hmm. Either I can love me or God can love me, yeah. but not both at the same time, right? Mm -hmm. And, you know, again, if you're not a person who believes in a higher power, insert something else, right? Mm -hmm. um, but if you see something from the highest court in the land in which you live that says, yeah, 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 that's that's about right. That's sad. And so w maybe we just we can just say for the record that we don't believe that. Yeah. You do matter. You do belong. And there is a space for you to be loved fully and wholly in the way that you were fearfully and wonderfully made. Mm. Amen.
Did you read what um what Justin Bullock wrote? Um, I did not have a chance to read that yet. So Justin wrote an article about his perspective as a black man, a, a queer black man actually, who um, was from Detroit, and then uh, through really through the power of doors opening, if you don't want to call it affirmative action, doors opening and things happening to gain him access to MIT. Went to MIT and went from MIT to, you know, all these other elite institutions, including UCSF, and talked about his perspective with um, affirmative action. His mother's an HBCU graduate, my soror, shout out to the Deltas, went to Fisk. And Fisk is awesome, but Fisk, Fisk and MIT is not seen the same in terms of social capital. Yeah. And he talked really about the power of the social capital unlocked to him just by being there and what it was like for him when he got there and the experiences he had of feeling like, wait, do I belong here? And the more of us that are there, the less people will have to feel that way. So we're going to put that in our show notes. Lucky us, we have an outstanding resident physician, Catherine Sorrentino, who has volunteered to assist us with some show notes. Yes. (laughs) Shout out to Catherine. Yes, Catherine, and shout out to Justin. Yes, amazing. All right. Well, let us continue the the uptrend and mood because, you know, while we've got some heavy news to address, we've got some exciting news for this episode, which is that Dr. Manning is getting ready to knock our socks off with an incredible story. Oh, gosh. I'm trying to think of what my what is for this. <laughs> okay, I have it. I All have right, a word. Excellent. I have the what. What is the what? The, the what is remix. Remix. Okay. I like yeah. it. Yeah. As in, this is the remix. Mm-hmm. Right? Us just being here is the remix. Yeah. And And I will tell you, that's the word that's giving me hope right now. So I am going to start, it's going to be like a two-parter. I'm going to start with me as an M4 doing an away rotation at Wayne State University in Detroit, Michigan, speaking of Detroit. And, and as M4, you mean a, a medical student in their last year? Of- yes, yes. I, I, lo- I love how you like give me the little correction from our, <laughs> our listeners who are not in the medical education field. So I was a fourth year medical student. And as fourth year medical students, one of the things people do sometimes is if they're lucky enough, they will schedule a rotation, a hospital rotation where they spend one month in a different hospital, um, not connected to their medical school, but connected to another medical school. Mm -hmm. And I was applying for something called MedPeds, Combined Internal Medicine and Pediatrics Residency. And this particular month, was one that Wayne State University had organized for underrepresented students. And that program actually had been around for a while. Their MedPeds program was fairly robust. And I was really interested in the program. And so I signed up for this rotation. So I go up there to do this rotation. And it was a great experience. I, I never spent time in Detroit. It was great. But the part I want to draw your attention to was this one day where I went to Morning Report. Morning report is this thing where people present a patient that was admitted overnight and they talk about the patient's management and what the team did. And usually that is guided by a chief resident. And a chief resident is usually somebody who stood out as a leader in the residency program. And it's an honorific where you get to spend an additional year teaching and administrating to the residency program. Ashley was a chief resident. I was a chief resident. It's a really great honor and a great time of growth. 
But I had never seen a me or an Ashley before then. I was coming from a Harry Medical College, historically black institution. I had been warned and told before going out into the great wide world of majority institutions that I needed to be on my P's and Q's and all the things because you are leaving your little cocoon of your HBCU and it ain't going to be like this. Mm -hmm. And sure enough, most places I went, that was true. You know, I looked around, everybody was predominantly white. And the people in leadership roles and who had the highest leadership roles, like chief residents and such, they did not look like me. But this particular day, I go to this morning report and I'm sitting in the back, one of few black people there. And there is a woman standing at the front and she is leading morning report. And not only is she a black woman, she is about eight and a half months pregnant and she is crushing that case. I mean, she is working the room. She is teaching. It was like nothing I had ever seen. I had never seen anything like that. Carla Neal Haley is her name. And I just was so enamored by by seeing her up there and, and watching all the respect that she had from everybody and how, you know, she was interacting with the faculty and everything. And you know what? It's funny. I remember her name. I've met her a few times since then. But just the image of her standing in front of that room it completely changed the way I saw myself Mm. completely. I was just like, Oh my gosh. Oh my, Oh my gosh. I've never, wait, I can be the chief resident. She's the chief resident. Wait, wait, she's pregnant and she's up there teaching. So that's just the first thing I'm going to tell you that that piece of representation was an absolute game changer for me as a woman who has children and who works in this space, but also as a black woman. Now I want to fast forward to you several years into me being on faculty at Emory. You know, I joined the faculty at Emory in 2001 and around like 10 years after I've been on faculty, I made the associate professor rank, which is the next senior rank, the first senior rank um, in academic medicine. And that was a, a big deal to me. I was really, really happy about that. But then time went by and I started thinking about whether or not I would go up for professor. As I looked around, I really didn't know that many. Black women for professors. Fortunately, in my department, there were about three or four, but they all were like one was like a hardcore researcher, you know, and they seemed different than me. But the fact that they were there gave me something at least to aspire towards. Like I believed that, well, it's possible because these Black women have become full professors. And of note, you know, for our listeners, there are roughly about 39,000 full professors in the United States in medical schools. Of those 39,000, about roughly um, a little over 350 or so identify as Black women. So let's just say the numbers ain't great. So I was kind of getting myself okay with this idea of being just an associate professor for good. But as time went by, people started like gassing my head up like, oh, you should go up for a full professor. Oh, you're doing good work. You should do this. You should do that. So we have this thing at Emory, this like speed mentoring program where what you do is you sign up and you bring your CV and some of your accolades and you sit down in front of somebody senior from a whole different department Mm. and they objectively look at your stuff and then they just tell you what they think. They get your stuff in advance, but they spend 20 minutes with you telling you, hey, you're ready to go up for full professor or you need this or you should do this or you should do that. And so this was in 2018. My mentor, Jada Bussey Jones, had told me, I think you're ready to go up for a full professor. 
And I was kind of nervous, but I said, all right, I'm going to go to this, you know, speed mentoring thing. And if I can get this other like stranger who doesn't care about me to co-sign and validate me, then I'll, I'll do it. Because the process of going up for full professor, just so y'all know, is a big process. You got to get letters from all over the country. You got to write up all this whole like teaching statement and service statement. And it's a lot of work. So I set up this meeting and I woke up that morning feeling positive. I'm like, you know what? I've been doing some good work. I looked at my CV. I was like, you know what? It's a little bit off the beaten path what I do, but you know. Your, your promotion is really about your, your national and international impact. Mm. And I was like, you know, I feel like I've had some national impact. All right, cool. I go to this meeting. I walk in and I sit down with this white man who was very pleasant and who did not know me. And he had looked over my stuff. And the first thing he said was, you are not ready to go up for a professor. That's the first thing he said. Like he didn't even, he, he ripped the bandaid straight off. He's like, you are not ready to go up for a full professor. If you go up, you will be declined. Mm. And then he commenced to basically go through my CV and tell me that my publications, which were narratives were not really of the caliber that one considers for like a professor. You need to, you know, have more original research. I've never had an NIH grant and um, my teaching is pretty good. But really, my scholarship and my national service was really just not at all at the level of where I should be. With the things I would need to do to bring my entire package, my my whole portfolio up, it would probably be another three or four years before I would get there. It took everything in my soul not to cry right in front of him. Mm. And I asked him a couple of questions like, oh, you know, well, this particular narrative I wrote it was actually cited by a lot of people and it got a lot of traction, you know? And he was like, yeah, I've never heard of it. And, you know, he wasn't mean. He was like, Mm -hmm. honestly, as I look at the trajectory of your CV and your CV is like your resume, y'all, you, you, you probably are looking at about four years. Mm -hmm. He said, "And, and if I saw from your work that you worked at a faster pace, then, then maybe I could say like three years, but you're probably looking at four years. Mm -hmm. And um, I was like, okay. So he's like, so you probably would submit in 2022 and get promoted in 2023 with some work. And I asked a couple more questions and he, he said what he said. He said it with his chest. He was, he was like, I said what I said. Good luck. And I sort of walked out of there. And I swear if there was some sad music to cue in the background, it seemed like nobody was in the whole medical school as I walked out. It was empty. I was by myself. I walked outside and I was walking over the little bridge toward the parking lot. Nobody was out there. It was like a tumbleweed rolled by. Some sad horns came in and some violins too. And then my phone rang and it was my husband. Mm. And I picked up the phone and he was like, how'd it go? And I burst into tears. Mm. I was just like, I'm never, I'm never going to get promoted because what this dude was telling me to do is just stuff that is not, not what I do. Mm-hmm. You know, my husband loves me. So he is, you know, dropping all kinds of expletives commensurate with an army veteran. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he was like, man, what that at them people, you know. Um, but I was telling him, I was like, this guy doesn't know me. I couldn't charm him. He was being objective. And, you know, these are the people that sit on these committees. 
And then I got, got off the phone with him and I was walking and I was thinking, and I was like, what is this based on? This is based on what he has seen. It's based on what he's seen. He wasn't being mean to me. It was what he's seen. And what he has seen are people who look like him, who does what he does, how he does it, the way he does it. And, and it was right as I was getting to my car, it was like something hit me, hit me like a ton of bricks. For me, I will say it was God. For you, you can say it's the universe, whatever it was. But it hit me like, this is the remix. I'm going to be the remix. Matter of fact, I'm, I'm going I'm to get promoted. And I'm going to get promoted on what I do. And I hope that what I do will allow somebody else who's a little bit off the beaten path and doing this in a little bit of a different way, who doesn't like fit in the box, that they, they can do this too. Mm. Now, I didn't believe that I could do it that year because he had discouraged me so much that when Jada Bussy Jones, my division chief, wanted to put me up, I was too scared because he had really shell-shocked me. And that was unfortunate because I probably would have gotten promoted the year before. But I waited a year. And really, I looked very similar on paper the very next year. I just had a couple of national committees. But other than that, everything else looked the same. And I sailed through. I sailed through. All of my decisions at every level were unanimous. And now I get the opportunity to get requests for letters for people to be their referee and look through their CV and be who that man wasn't to me. I get to point out the things that other people are overlooking. I point out things like, while it may look like this individual has a lot of institutional service, recognize that there is urgency for people from historically excluded groups to create opportunity for those at their institutions. And sometimes that is time consuming and limits the amount of time that they may have to do things in national organizations. Please do not overlook this impact. Like I can say that. And then when somebody notifies me that they got promoted, I'm like, you know what? That's because this is the remix. <laughs> and as, as heartbreaking as it is to have heard that news from the Supreme Court, I'm like, bro, we at the table now. You know, Beyonce said we back outside, baby. We inside too. We inside. We at the table. We throwing mm -hmm. flags on the play. We're pointing things out that other people want to pointing out. The people that you're saying can't get promoted. We're saying, oh, they can because their impact is this. Or you saying you haven't heard of it. I'm saying I have. I heard of it because I'm at the table now. And, and it's possible that they may create a whole new table that we don't know nothing about. But you know what? This is the remix. Not today, Clarence. <laughs> <laughs> Not today. Not today. Maybe I'm wrong, but I don't think so. Mm -mm. I don't think I am. We need that hope. I'm so glad that you told that story. I remember vividly the first time I connected with a Black woman physician who was a pediatrician. I was in college. It took that long. Mm. And I had no desire to be a pediatrician, but I was just so enamored by her presence. I just wanted to be around her all the time. It's like anybody who sees someone who looks like them doing what they thought they could never do, it just opens up a whole different dynamic. Yeah. And the added piece is doing what you never thought you could do as you, without a complete code switch yes. or a revision of who you are. Because that's the part of the remix, right? Because mm -hmm. the remix is, 
you, you can name somebody black who managed to wiggle their way through the top, but not, not as their whole self. Yep. Oh, not with the twist in their hair that you got in your hair right now. <laughs> <laughs> not with subject verb disagreement like I use on the regular. Mm-hmm. No, ma'am. And no, sir. You ain't showing up using your vernacular nowhere. Yeah. I remember actually the first day that we met when you were a visiting professor at UCSF back in 2019. I will never forget this because, you know, we we had that conversation um, in the conference room of the General Hospital. And, yeah. you know, similar to the story that I, I talked about last week, it was just for me, it was just like, wow, this is a connection that was meant to be having no idea how that would unfold, you know, months later with us being linked on a podcast. But I remember you saying, like, I forget the context, but you were saying like, oh, you know, if I get promoted and then you backtrack and you're like, actually, no, I will get promoted when I get promoted. And I think that was the the time where you were actually going up for full professor and you you spoke yeah. it into existence. I remember you correcting yourself and in, in doing that. And that was like a really formative moment for me to see someone, you know, going into that space with confidence, yeah. a black woman. And, and the thing is, you know, there's probably people listening to this. They're like, what's the point? All you're going to do is change your email signature. It's not going to really change that much of what you do. But again, there is, there is social capital in academia. Mm-hmm. And, and, and part of that capital is, is that rank. You know? And there are things that I am able to do and doors that I'm able to open and, and rooms I'm able to enter that I did not get to enter as an associate professor. That I, got, I get to enter as a senior faculty member, maybe you can do so as an associate somewhere. But, you know, I I think now about, gosh, it is so dope. These tables that now we have access to, like I'm on a national Academy of medicine committee for diagnostic scholars. And this is like my third year on it. And I help select the scholars for this program. And the thing is, I, I bring my whole self into that space. I say, oh, I think this, so I think that, or we need to look at this, or this proposal is good because we because of this, this person would bring this. And I think the individuals who thought about creating that diverse team for that committee thought about the fact that it, it shapes the way that we look at everything. So that man, I'm, I'm really not mad at him. He mm-hmm. wasn't mean to me. He just told me what he knew from what he'd seen. Yeah. And you know what? Just like he said, I never heard of it. Baby, you ain't never heard of me. This is the remix. This is the remix. This is like how people think that the original Before I Let Go was by Beyonce. No, that was by Frankie Beverly. But if you all you hear is the remix, you start thinking the remix is the original. And guess yes. what? I'm okay. Sometimes that's a good thing. So my hope is that even with all of these rulings and all of that, this is the remix. Mm-hmm. And that you start realizing that the remix is here to stay. It's yeah. here to stay. Yeah, It's here to stay. You know, I think yes. I can speak for a whole generation of, of junior faculty, what it means to have someone like you as a whole full professor doing, doing what you do. Again, let's just think about the numbers, like 300 something out of 39,000 full professors. Like that's not a lot, but the, the change is coming. The remix is coming. Like there's going to be more because of trailblazers like you. And sometimes something as simple as a black woman standing in front of a room with a chalk in her hand, writing on a chalkboard mm. while eight months pregnant with her hand on her hip. That can just be the one little image, just your presence alone 
-hmm. is enough for somebody to see themselves in that role, which is one of the reasons why even if people don't believe that being thoughtful about creating a diverse workforce is important, just the very image of you standing somewhere, even if somebody don't talk to you, that alone can be the thing that makes somebody say, oh, you know what? Okay, I could probably figure this out as me, which is dope. Well, sis, I mean, what an uplifting story and, and, and tone in a week that can make us feel like things are completely rolling backwards. It's important to note that the remix has started. Like you said, we're already at the table and we will continue to be, even if they build a new table. Yeah. Are we going, we going to scoot? We going, we going to bring a folding chair. Like Shirley Chisholm <laughs> said, yes. we're going to bring us a little folding chair and have a seat, but it is going to be okay. Mm-hmm. Th- that, that probably is the thing I want people to know. Like Kendrick Lamar said, we're going to be all right. 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 That's it. And that's the word right there. We're going to be all right because this is the remix. Mm. Well, sis, it's getting time for me to, to, to get on the road soon. I'm heading back all right. to, to Big Sur for the week. Okay, okay, and carrying okay. all this wisdom and optimism in my heart. So it's yep. a good day. All right. It's a very good day. Hey, traveling grace to you. I love you. And just know that we're going to be all right. Yeah. Likewise, sis. That wraps up this week's episode of the Human Doctor Podcast. Special thanks to our favorite brother gastroenterologist, Dr. Chuma Obiname for the beats. Shout out to the Dr. Ashley McMullen for editing and production. Mad love to our podcast family at The Nocturnist and The Clinical Problem Solvers, our med Twitter fam. And especially shout out to all of you, our listeners. Until next week, remember, we see you and you are enough. Holla! Holla.